Welcome to the Yogi MD podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. In the story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears, Goldilocks enters, let's just call it what it is, breaks into the home of the Three Bears. After eating their food and sitting on their furniture, she's exhausted. She goes to their bedroom where she tries the first bed, too hard, the second, too soft. Then she hits the jackpot, just right. In this episode, we are going to talk about stress. Not too much, not too little but just enough. When we hear the word stress, we tend to think of it as something to dread and avoid at all costs. But not all stress is bad. The definition of stress is this. It is how we respond to change, anything that disrupts our routine. Those changes can be interpreted as being positive or negative. Some examples would be starting a new job, moving, attending a wedding, getting divorced, or the death of a loved one or friend. We need the right amount of stress in our lives. Too little results in a lackluster performance in life. Too much, on the other hand, can cause a lot of damage. It can be devastating. An optimal amount of stress is stimulating. It makes us resilient, challenges us to be at our best mentally, intellectually, socially, spiritually, and physically. This is how the stress response works. Once upon a time, our ancestors relied upon strong survival instincts. In order to survive, they needed to be able to identify a threat and to respond to it quickly to get away from danger. The main processor of stress is the brain. First, the brain recognizes a threat. The threat can be acute, in other words, short-term, or chronic, long-term, taking a while to go away. Examples of acute stressors include meeting work deadlines or finding lost keys. Examples of chronic stressors are discrimination, poverty, death of a loved one, or chronic illness. After the brain recognizes the threat, the next step is to process it. We respond by thinking about our situation, responding emotionally to the situation, and then having physiologic changes in our bodies in response to the situation. We respond emotionally via something called the limbic system, a part of the brain that stores memories, it's responsible for learning, and it also processes feelings. We also respond physiologically as the brain communicates with the body through both electrical and chemical signals in order to get the right physical response. The electrical signals, which are designed to be fast, think high-speed internet, control the fight-or-flight response to help you avoid danger quickly. The fight-or-flight response is a series of reactions, such as a racing heart, faster breathing rate, increased blood pressure, and increased metabolism. The slower and more sustained chemical response, think of the analogy of a boat carrying instructions from place to place. It's controlled by the endocrine system, 
the HPA axis. That stands for hypothalamus, pituitary, and adrenal gland. The HPA axis is a cascade. It starts with the hypothalamus in the brain, which releases a hormone. That hormone, like our bolt with the message, then travels to the pituitary gland. The pituitary gland is also located in the brain. That causes a signal to release another hormone, another bolt with instructions, traveling to the adrenal gland. The adrenal gland is located right above your kidneys. The adrenal gland secretes steroid hormones. The steroid hormones cause an increase in blood pressure as well as a breakdown of proteins and fats into glucose for energy and increased blood glucose levels. Cortisol acts to make energy available to fuel our bodies and several other processes. There are many receptors throughout our bodies for cortisol. So think about this. If the stress response goes unchecked, then there are negative consequences to having too much cortisol around. Some of those consequences include trouble concentrating and thinking, increased blood pressure, increased risk for getting sick because your immune cells are affected by having too much cortisol, increased abdominal girth, increased blood sugar imbalances, and decreased bone density, resulting in weaker bones. The changes I just described are all changes in our bodies. No doubt, this is a complicated and well-orchestrated process. But we as humans make choices in response to stress. Those choices can be healthy and adaptive. Say, for instance, emotionally intelligent communication skills to clarify misunderstandings with another person, or choosing to go for a walk, or choosing to listen to music, or taking a deep breath. Those choices can also be maladaptive, unhealthy, such as relying on smoking, excessive drinking, or drug use. It's also important to point out that other factors influence how we respond to stressors. Our personalities make a big difference. There are cultural expectations we think about, our families influence how we process stress, and what one individual may find extremely stressful, another may not. Another factor to consider is age. The younger you are, the easier it is to bounce back. Typically, of course, there are exceptions to the rule. Another important factor to help mitigate how we respond to stress is social support. Very important not to be underestimated. Having a friend to lean on or family to count on certainly helps us feel less burdened. Another thing to consider is that if we are dealing with personal illness, it is also harder to cope with more stress. It's just another thing added on. Finally, after recognizing, processing, and responding to stress in order to achieve balance, which is also known as homeostasis, we need to turn off that stress response. Our bodies function by using checks and balances so that we can turn on responses as we need them and then turn them off. In the example of the HPA axis, the hormones feed back to the hypothalamus 
to turn off the stress response, saying, we've had enough. Furthermore, there needs to be a reaction, a plateau, and then a recovery time. That's another way to look at it. This is also called allostasis. The definition of allostasis is essentially achieving stability through making changes within our bodies. In the short term, when this is working correctly and we can recover, the process of allostasis is protective. Remember, we're trying to survive by responding to our external situations. However, if the stress response goes unchecked, that's when physical and mental damage happens. If you feel like you're dealing with a lot of stress, you're not alone. According to a Gallup poll from December of 2017, 79% of Americans feel stress, either sometimes to frequently during the day, with the highest reported stressors being work and children. Back to the physical ramifications of prolonged stress. They include heart disease, hypertension or high blood pressure, insulin resistance, which can lead to diabetes type 2, headaches, insomnia, increased appetite and resultant weight gain, and cellular aging. Yes, studies have shown that your cells age faster when you experience chronic stress. And this is just to name a few. The mental ramifications of unchecked stress are depression and anxiety. Are we victims to chronic stress? Explorer, National Geographic Fellow, and longevity coach Dan Butner is the author of The Blue Zones, Lessons for Living Longer from the People Who Lived the Longest. In his work, he searches for an understanding as to why the people who live in blue zones manage to live so long and without disease. The blue zones are located in Loma Linda, California, Nicoya, Costa Rica, Sardinia, Italy, Acaria, Greece, and Okinawa, Japan. What makes these blue zones special is that they have the highest number of centenarians, people who live into their hundreds, lowest rates of heart disease, obesity, cancer, and diabetes. What are some of the key lessons we can learn from people, the centenarians, who live in the blue zones? They make time to relax, first of all. They also have social support. They lead active lives. They eat mostly plant-based diets. They believe in the power of faith and love. And they have purpose, life purpose, a reason to be. In summary, we do need stress in our lives. We do need to feel challenged. Too little stress means that we're not reaching our fullest potential. Too much stress results in physical and mental harm and you're simply not at your best. So how can you stress like Goldilocks? What are those things in your life that challenge you
that stimulate you, that give you a sense of purpose? Who are the people around you that make you better? The people who support you, who love you? We don't have any control about when or how we will be presented with trying times in our lives. They will happen. What you do have a choice about is how to respond to those trying times. Don't be afraid to get help if you need it. There's no shame in talking to someone, even professionally. Treat yourself like you would treat a child or a dear friend, with kindness, with tenderness, extra care. And now it's time for practical tips. Body tip. Start a stress reduction practice today. How can you learn to relax? Be creative. Mind tip. Take a trip to the bookstore. Find something new to learn. Spirit tip. Can you forgive someone or yourself for a past mistake? Can you learn and move on? Thanks for listening. See you next time.